You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 128. Today we're going to deal with the question, who were the Gospels written to? I think sometimes in the church we have this misconception that the the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were just kind of written in a vacuum or, um, you know, just the author had nothing better to do so he decided to write a book. But I think in reality we need to we need to understand these books were written to specific groups of people. They were written to specific churches to help them grow in their faith. Remember, in the first century, they didn't have the New Testament. Um, you know, the Jewish Christians came out of the, the synagogue, and so they had a background in the Jewish scriptures, but many of the Greek Christians, the non-Jewish Christians, had no scriptures at all. They had no frame of reference. Uh, what the Christian life was. They had heard stories about Jesus, but they had nothing written down. So the the Gospels were written to instruct the early church on how to live. And each Gospel was actually tailored for a specific group of people, and we're going to look at each of those groups. But before we jump into that, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul and Acts. Acts is the history of the early church. It it records the first 30 years of the New Testament church, written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And what's uh, what's great about the the uh, um, uh, the book Peter and Paul and Acts, I also give a great introduction to the Gospel of Luke because they're so uh, connected. They're so tied together. So Peter and Paul and Acts, I deal with the specific apostolic ministries of those two great apostles and talk about how they took Christianity into the Roman Empire and ultimately into the rest of the world. All right, well, we are back and we're talking about who the Gospels were written to. Now, I'm going to kind of go out of order here, and you'll understand why in just a second. I'm going to start with the Gospel of Mark. And if 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 you've opened up your New Testament, you know the the four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I'm going to start with Mark because it was very, very likely the first Gospel that was written. Um, Almost every scholar on the planet believes that Mark was the first Gospel written, and that Matthew and Luke both made extensive use of it in their Gospels. But who was the Gospel of Mark written to? Through internal evidence and through external evidence, we know that the Gospel of Mark was written to the Christians in Rome. Uh, Mark, John Mark, the writer of the book, 
was a very close friend and confidant, not only of the Apostle Paul, but also of the Apostle Peter, who ended his life in the city of Rome, working with the Roman church. Um, the, the, the evidence indicates that the, the last uh, few years of Peter's life, Mark was able to travel with him and function as his translator. The, the church father, Papias, tells us that he actually recorded the stories that the apostle Peter told about his time with Jesus and fashioned them into the gospel of Mark as we have it today. So the gospel of Mark was written to the Christians in Rome. And, you know, it's obviously not written to a Jewish audience because the the few uh, Jewish things that he talks about, he has to explain. He wouldn't do that if he was dealing with a, a Jewish audience. But it's also very clear that he's writing to to people that were probably going through a tough time. Uh, one of the interesting things about Mark is that several times uh, in the gospel, Jesus lets the the followers know, lets his followers know that he is about to suffer. He lets them know that he is about to be executed. He's about to be crucified, and he's going to be put to death for his faith. But he says, but take heart, it's going to be okay, I'm going to be raised up. Now, for a church that was going through intense persecution like the Roman church was, this would have been so encouraging. Uh, the Gospel of Mark also deals with the very, very important thing, uh, the, the, this idea of the lordship of Jesus. And, you know, it's a very interesting take because the very first gospel of, of the book of Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in the in the Greek language, it comes out even more, but this is really uh, uh, almost a slap in the face because the Son of God, to the Romans, would have been Caesar. And so Mark, as he's writing, lets the, the, the church in Rome know that Jesus is Lord and he is supreme even over the Roman ruler. So the Gospel of Mark written to a Roman church that was going through persecution. And, you know, even the, the, the way that Jesus is presented, yes, he is Lord, but you know, he, he, he addresses himself, the Lord Jesus addresses himself as a servant. In Mark 10, 45, he said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in a, a society where power was everything, in a society where might makes right, uh, Mark was letting the, the, the early Christians know that that's not the way of the kingdom of God. That if we want to uh, really be great in God's kingdom, we have to learn to serve. Now, the Gospel of Matthew is a, is a interesting gospel. It's a, it's one of my favorites. I love the Gospel of Matthew. It's written to a Jewish audience, and it's it's pretty easy to pick up on because Matthew's the guy that over and over again he says this happened so that the prophecy might be fulfilled. This happened so that the prophecy might be fulfilled. So so many times, especially in the early chapters of Matthew, he lets his readers know that everything that Jesus was doing was to fulfill specific Old Testament prophecies. This would have been something the Jewish Christians would have cared so much about. So we, we believe that Matthew was being written to Jewish Christians, especially those in the Palestine area, the Jewish church, 
in Judea and and, and, and the other areas around Jerusalem, and, and letting them know that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. Matthew was the guy who was wanting to let them know that, yes, indeed, Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, the let's face it, all the Jews, in fact, very few of the Jews, embraced our Lord Jesus as their Messiah, even though every prophecy pointed to it. So Matthew wants to build a case and really support the evidence that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, he presents Jesus almost like a new Moses, uh, teaching, delivering di- discourses, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Moses went up on the mountain and received the law. In the Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus went up on the mountain and, and, and shared that sermon with his disciples. So, so there's many parallels there, but the Gospel of Matthew is by far the most Jewish of the Gospels and really wanting to help um, those people understand that Jesus was indeed their Messiah. And yes, he's the Messiah of the whole world, but initially he was the, 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 the Messiah and the fulfillment of the prophecies. And you know, then through our, our, our lucky uh, choice of events that now we have the opportunity for, for those that aren't Jewish as well to come to faith. So that's Matthew and that's Mark. Now Luke's gospel is, is another uh, real contrast because while Mark is writing to a specific group, the Romans, Matthew's writing to a specific group, the Jewish Christians, Luke was pretty much writing to everybody else, the Greek world. Um, you know, yes, the Romans were in power, but Greek culture the Greek language, the Greek influence in arts and philosophy still dominated the Mediterranean area. Uh, Greek was the common language spoke even during the Roman Empire. Latin was the official language, but Greek was the everyday language, and it was the language that everybody spoke. And it's not just a language, it's a culture, it's a philosophy, it's a way of looking at life. And so Luke is writing to a, 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 a Greek audience who had no little or no background in the Scriptures. Now, Luke himself uh, appeared to be very knowledgeable in the Scriptures. As far as we know, he's our only non-Jewish writer in the whole Bible. But he is, he is adept. He is a very knowledgeable man in the Scriptures. And it's very clear that Luke was a pastor. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, used Luke. They were very close, and as, as as Paul would plant churches, he would use Luke in different ministry situations because he was an effective minister. We know that at least for a period of time, Luke pastored the church in Philippi. And so Luke writes as a pastor, but he's writing to a Greek audience who has very, very limited knowledge of, of Jewish customs and, and of Jesus. And so he he, he, he's a very meticulous writer. Um, we, we, we find out from the scriptures he's referred to as a physician, so he's educated. His Greek is very beautiful. It's a, he's got a very large vocabulary. And so he, uh, he writes to a, a sophisticated even Greek audience, letting them know that, that God had entered history. And, and it's Luke who actually gives us the Christmas story. That uh, you know, Matthew gives us one too, but that's from uh, 
uh, Joseph's point of view. Luke gives us the Christmas story of, of Jesus, of the angel appearing to Mary, and, and, and Jesus being born to her. And so Luke is the guy who tells us that God entered history, and he, and he, and he just lays the story out, probably through a, an interview with Mary. Um, we see Luke uh, really delving and, and pulling from uh, Greek philosophy. He presents Jesus as the ideal man. That's something the Greeks would have been would have been very important to them. Uh, much of the teaching that that he that he he presents is done in a way that um, uh, it would have appealed to a Greek audience. You see uh, in, in in Luke a real mix of miracles and teaching. Um, so so again Luke presenting Jesus as the ideal man, writing to a Greek audience, writing to people who had little or no understanding of Jewish customs, Jewish um, uh, prophecies, but letting them know that God had entered history to save them. And then the last gospel, the gospel of John, written so much later, probably 20 or 30 years later than than, uh, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And John we know that John was part of Jesus' inner circle, and he writes his gospel very differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, they all, because they make extensive use of Mark, <clears throat> excuse me, they're very similar in their outlook, but John has a very different approach. John shares material that's not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John shares some insights and some miracles and some things that that aren't presented anywhere else, and and a lot. In fact, a lot of John's material is is uh, is, is only found in his gospel. John's an interesting book because he doesn't share any of Jesus's parables. He doesn't um, he, a lot of teaching, but no parables, and he only shares seven of the miracles that Jesus performed. So it's an interesting gospel. But who was John writing to? Well, we know from history and from tradition that John spent the last at least 20 years of his life living in the, the great city of Ephesus. And if you remember from Acts 19, the Apostle Paul planted a church in Ephesus. And so John, uh, Paul was long dead by this point, but, but John went and worked in this church, continuing his apostolic ministry even into his late years. Uh, tradition says John lived up into um, at least 90 or 100 years old. He's the only apostle that died of natural causes. And so John in, in, in Ephesus is living out his last years, but he's still doing ministry. He's still doing uh, church planting and pastoring and teaching. And, and now he feels like it's his time, all these years later, towards the end of the first century, to finally record his gospel. And so he's writing to a, 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 a church of Gentiles, non-Jews. But what's interesting about John's gospel is it's always been referred to as a universal gospel. In other words, it's a gospel that will appeal to everybody. Because if you're a, a Jewish believer, you're going to really be uh, blessed as you read it because John deals with the number of the Jewish uh, traditions and, and prophecies and uh, he doesn't uh, minimize those things. At the same time, if you're not Jewish, you're going to still be able to read it and really understand. Um, one one guy said that the Gospel of John is this this pool that a that a child can wade in, but it's also so deep that an elephant can swim in. And it really is like that. It just seems like such a simple gospel, but when you meditate on it, there's just so much depth there. 
So John was written to the church in Ephesus. And if you've um, studied the churches at Ephesus at all, you know that uh, there were many churches in that entire area that uh, Paul and his team and then ultimately uh, John and his team later on would, would plant and help spread. So, so this gospel would be uh, to help feed them and to help them grow in their Christian faith. And you know, for us, it's the same today. The Gospels are written to teach us. Every story in each Gospel is written to teach us something. Um, it's not just to educate us about Jesus and not just to tell us about His life. It's so that we can read these stories, meditate on these stories, and let God continue to speak to us today. Well, now it's your turn. I'd love to hear from you. What's your favorite gospel and why? I'd love to know. Uh, my, my favorite gospel, and it's the one that I've actually done the most work on, is the gospel of Mark. Um, I've written on the gospel of Mark. Uh, I've got the book Miracles on Mark. Um, and then I've also got the, uh, the video course that's available for the gospel of Mark. It's the one that I constantly go back to. Of course, I love all the others. I said I love Matthew and you know the others are wonderful. But Mark is the one that I, I, I just keep going back to and I spend the most time in. But I'd love to know which one yours is. So davidspell.com. Uh, leave me a comment in the show notes. Let me know what your favorite gospel is. And while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so we can stay in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next time, keep reading those Gospels. And this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.